0: Hello, and welcome to AI Curious. My name is Jeff Wilser. I'm a journalist, I'm a human, and I'm curious about AI. And I was delighted to speak with our guest today, machine learning expert, Eric Siegel, who is the author of the new book, the AI Playbook, Mastering the Rare Art of Machine Learning Deployment. And when I say new book, it literally came out this week. It's a new book. Here we are at AI Curious on the cutting edge. Now, there are a lot of people who have only recently hopped on the AI bandwagon. That is not Eric. He's been around for a while. He's been a professor at Columbia University. He's the founder of the long running Machine Learning Week conference series he has been consulting with companies to help them deploy machine learning for 20 plus years. His new book, The AI Playbook, is getting some serious buzz in the space. Scott Galloway gave it a pretty glowing blurb, calling it a, quote, robust primer on machine learning, unquote, and a, quote, must read for anyone in the information economy. So I guess that makes our conversation a must listen, and I enjoyed it. I mean, I know I always say I enjoy it, but I really mean it now. And I always mean it, but I really, really mean it. (laughs) And what I like most about Eric is that he's almost hilariously anti-AI hype. A lot of what he talks about at first blush almost sounds like anti AIism, but it's not that. He just kind of rolls his eyes at people who are all talk and all fantasy, and he'd prefer to focus on the practical applications of machine learning. And that's what this episode really drills into, machine learning how that concept is distinct from AI, and more importantly, we get into the applications for business. The title of the book is The AI Playbook, and Eric delivers on that title, even giving us a six-step process for implementing machine learning. And we'll walk through that process later in a pod. I'm definitely excited to share this conversation. But first, a quick note on housekeeping. I make it a point of pride to release these suckers every Thursday come rain or snow, hell or high water. This week, careful, devoted listeners will have noticed it came out on Friday, not Thursday. That's on me. We had some hilariously awful audio mess-ups where the main audio tracks were damaged and basically destroyed. And I had to kind of re-cobble together a backup audio track. It worked. We made it happen. The sound quality is mediocre at best, but it works. And I wanted to get you that conversation, but that caused a delay. But that's on me. I will revise my process going forward to make sure it doesn't happen again. As I know, you know, every Friday morning, you have a routine. You listen to this first thing or, okay, maybe NPR first, then this. Or maybe NPR, then the daily then this, (laughs) or NPR, then The Daily, then 10 more podcasts, then that podcast about famous moments in sports in 1973, then more podcasts, and then this. But still, the point is, you depend on this podcast on Thursday. I apologize, dear listener, for the delay, but hope you enjoyed this. So now, without further ado, please welcome Eric Siegel, the author of the new book, The AI Playbook. Mastering the Rare Art of Machine Learning Deployments. Eric, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Let's start with one of my favorite lines in your book. You mentioned that AI or that the phrase AI is, quote, sexy but vague, unquote. (laughs) I think that is so true. So along those lines, machine learning and ML also kind of has the risk of being, as a term, sexy but vague. So can you define that for us? What does machine learning mean? What is it and what is it not? And how is it kind of different from AI?
1: Sure. Well, machine learning is well-defined. So once I've defined it, it's no longer vague. Whereas AI, that's a problem I'm not going to be able to solve today. That's intrinsic. (laughs) Machine learning is learning from data to predict. So you render, you create a model from historical data, examples where you already know the outcome or answer, who canceled as a subscriber, which photograph is a dog or cat. There's got to be labels, often manually labeled, sometimes already known because that's the way history played out. Right, So you're in that sense, you're learning from experience. But in any case, it derives a model automatically. It's, it's, it's a PhD tool, push here dummy, right? That's mm-hmm. what the word algorithm means. Something is done automatically or that a computer could do. That's essentially what it means. So it, it derives the model automatically from the- can you, Sorry, can you say it one more time? PhD, can you kind of P- unpack oh, that a little more? PhD, yeah. push here dummy. As in just push a button and it does it. Push here, ah. dummy. <laughs> okay, okay. Adult I game. think I've made that, I didn't make that joke up, but I think I've delivered it too many times. Push here, <laughs> okay. dummy, right? It's a right. computer that does something automatically, go figure. And in this case, what's doing is quite profound, right? It derives from historical data or from labeled data. A predictive model, which now pans out. It turns out to, and this is what's so cool about the science, right? It works well. It, it, it performs predictively just as well over historical uh, as it did over historical on new examples, un, unseen cases, new situations that have never before been encountered. Um, and in that way, we see that, yes, it has actually learned something real from the limited, even if maybe a large number of historical data, but it's a limited number of examples and it's learned something that holds. So now that's extremely valuable because prediction is the holy grail for improving all the large-scale operations to target who to market to, who to uh, approve for a financial, um, a loan application or insurance application, which transaction to audit or hold is potentially fraudulent, et cetera, et cetera. Which satellite to inspect is potentially running out of battery. So any and all business operations are readily improved with prediction, and that's what you get from predictive modeling. Super helpful, thank you. And just for
0: additional lay of the land and context, how would you put machine learning in the overall framework and landscape of AI? Dumb question, but is machine learning? No, it's not a dumb question, a question at all. Subset of AI, or is it adjacent to AI? On a on a Okay, I'm going
1: to be real subversive here. When we try to ascribe the word intelligence to a machine, it's subjective. Intelligence is a particular thing to humans. It describes what humans are capable of. Um, And it's a subjective term. So if you're trying to get computers to, quote, be smarter or what have you, you haven't really defined specifically what you're doing. And if you can't define it, you can't build it. Mm-hmm. It, amorphous gold doesn't serve for engineering projects so there's an outside of philosophy and science fiction where i love ai for real for real z man um <laughs> in engineering it's kind of a problem and it's intrinsically uh susceptible to hype just by using the word ai in most contexts you're already providing a bit of hype and saying hey look the computer's becoming human-like um I, I don't think it is. Um, I think mm-hmm. well, maybe somewhat human like, but I don't think it's approaching. I don't think we're actually on a path to human level capabilities as seemingly human like as what we get with generative AI. Generative AI, by the way, built on machine learning, an amazing accomplishment, Clear, clearly very valuable for writing first drafts of code in English and other natural languages, um, but not the autonomous agent creator that it's um, cracked up to be. Before we go to the nuts and bolts of business operations and
0: integration, um, but to kind of get listeners excited a little bit about some of the the power and potential of machine learning, talk a bit about what, from a very basic level, what's the goal of machine learning?
1: So you're using its predictions, predictions, the probabilities that are output by the predictive model generated from data in order to better target who should you market to which transactions should you order for fraud which uh, item rolling off the assembly line should you inspect as potentially having a fault Uh, you know which credit applicant should you approve who which ad should you show to this user on the website all the large scale or virtually all the large scale operational decisions in healthcare across industries right can be better informed with prediction so that's the that's the business objective
0: is this could be a stretch, but it's almost like just as gen i Gen AI uses machine learning to predict the next token or a word, so you know stoplights have three colors: red, yellow, and green. It predicts the green, right Machine learning is also predictive and is also kind of generative in that it predicts okay, the customer. That will default on a loan is customer X or whatever, right? So it's kind of predicting an outcome, but not to create a text or image, but using the data to effectively fit a pattern. Am
1: I warm here? Is that, is, no, that, is that's that it? Uh, a, that's yeah. it, exactly. And the thing that makes it generative is just how you're using those predictions or right. the way in which you're using predictions, because the generative part isn't so much like a technical thing. It's just simply that they're using machine learning to generate text or to generate images. That's all it means, right? So you're cobbling together. Each prediction is another element. It's another word, or it could be another change to a pixel as you're rendering an overall image, right? So you're generating a new piece of content, right? That, that's what it means. Generative doesn't refer to something technical about the how the technology works, it's just simply how you're using it. Right. Whereas if you're predicting at the sort of higher more macroscopic level, it's still relatively micro in in the context of an enterprise per customer, per human, per healthcare client, per corporate client, per satellite that might run out of battery, per location you might drill for oil. On that level of detail, um now you're issuing predictions that will directly inform an operational decision that pertains to that one individual decision. So it's, it's very actionable. It's very practical. What have you found to be the
0: verticals, if you will, or different kind of components in a business or
1: types of operations
0: that this is especially useful for? Go on. Marketing,
1: yeah. uh, f- uh, financial risk, right? So that would be for credit. Who should get a loan? Who should be approved for a credit card? And for insurance, right? How to either select or price for insurance um uh you know people applying for insurance coverage of all kinds of insurance um uh which add to target it all sorts of logistics supply chain um uh manufacturing which which uh items rolling off the assembly line should be inspected as, as potentially having a problem um and then of course triage applies if nowhere else it applies in healthcare. And so, mm-hmm. which, um, which patients are at risk of readmission if you, would, if you discharge them right now, maybe take a second look because they've got a high risk of readmission within the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's the potential clinical health outcome of this procedure or this prescribed medication? Um, you know, wh- what direction, what's the prognosis basically? So, you're predicting health outcomes just the same as marketing outcomes.
0: This all sounds great in theory. And I love about your book is that it really tries to bridge theory to reality. And in the spirit of that, I'd love to spend a few minutes, if you're game, walking through the model you present, the six steps of incorporating kind of biz ML. Uh, So it starts out, so I think listeners might hear, oh, great. Okay. Whatever industry I'm in, I can use ML and I weigh yeah. the machine learning you know flavored colored wands. and now I've saved 40% on cost. Um, of course, it's more complicated than that course. (laughs) So let's use your model to kind of help bridge that abstract idea to reality. So Eric, what are your game? Let's go through one by one. Sure. uh, The six steps of BizML. And I'd love to use an example, something that we can kind of latch on to concretely of how a business could enact each of these six steps. To incorporate machine learning to for
1: operations improvements. Sure, yeah, totally. So just to set the set the stage here, as you mentioned, you know it's more complicated than just the theory. It sounds like a great idea on paper, and the the challenge comes in bridging the gap between the biz and tech, between the quant, the data scientist, that is, and their client, the stakeholder, the business people who are in charge of or, or have a stake in the operations that are stand to be improved with prediction. Um, And there needs to be a deep collaboration. Now, business stakeholders need to get their heads around a semi-technical understanding. And it's very simple. They need to understand what's predicted, how well, what's done about it. What's predicted, how well, what's done about it. So for example, I'm going to predict who's going to cancel their subscription. That's also known as churn modeling. Mm -hmm. Um, How well would be the arithmetic, the particular metrics, which could be like how many times better than guessing. That's called lift, right? There's also accuracy, precision, recall. The, those are all technical metrics. And then there's business metrics, which is how much profit do I stand to gain? How many customers do I stand to save? Right? Those are the real important things. Unfortunately, rarely do we actually convert from technical to business metrics, it turns out, but it's critical. So what's predicted, how well, and then what's done about it? Well, in this case, target a, re- a, a marketing campaign meant to retain those customers, most m- predicted most likely to cancel. Um so with those three things in mind the business stakeholders need to get up on to, to um, need to upskill to a certain degree so they can dig into some details pertaining to all three of those. It's not the rocket science it's how to use the rocket science right? It's how to use the predictions. Um, and the six steps breaks down very simply the first three correspond with establishing those three I just mentioned. Just to make sure I have my have this right. What are
0: the first three steps?
1: Yeah, so I'll spell it out. So establish the deployment goal prediction goal, and evaluation metrics. So those that corresponds with that three. Mm -hmm. And then the other three are intrinsic to any machine learning project. They're just prep the data, train the model over that data, and then deploy. But at the same time, maybe more importantly than the particular breakdown of six steps is this theme, the main point. Business stakeholders need to ramp up on what's predicted, how well, what's done about it. And get a sense of what that means for different projects so that they can then participate from end to end across these six steps with deep collaboration with the data scientists. So that's the big theme. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that those concepts, that's how you break it down into sort of pre-production initial steps, establish the deployment goal, the prediction goal, and the evaluation metrics. And then mm-hmm. any data scientist knows that you need to prep the data and then train the model over the data and then deploy. One thing you hinted at that I think is really smart is
0: that this is not just a data issue. It's not just a tech issue at heart. It's an organizational issue. And how do you kind of marry up the tech and data world with the business world? And so, with that perspective in mind, realistically, where does all of this start? And how does a business? Need to um, think about tweaking its protocols or values or what have you to actually make this, actually launch this and stick with it. Is it by that I mean, does it require a CEO coming down from top down saying, we will do machine learning and making it like a top priority and everyone else kind of falls in line? Or is it some spunky, you know, junior engineer has a clever idea and that percolates up, right? Like what
1: what does a business need to do from an organization perspective to realistically make this work? I mean, that that's a great question, but it turns out there's no one size fits all and it's all over the place. So sometimes it comes from the bottom up and sometimes the top down, but one way or another, it's only going to succeed when the two meet in the middle. In your
0: experience, is the main benefit of machine learning more about lowering costs
1: or adding new functionality or benefits? Um, that's a great question. Well, you're kind of asking, is it just about optimization or you're actually creating a new capability? So mm. on the first of those two, optimizing, improving efficiencies, that's not just cutting costs. It could also turn into more profit. It sort of depends on how you calculate it or which co- side of the coin you're looking at or what your objective is, right? If times are hard, you could you could be cutting costs. You could say, hey, look, if we can use prediction to to... to decrease the marketing campaign and, and only contact 20% as many people, then we literally custom cut the marketing cost by 80%, right? Mm-hmm. And if we can do that and still get virtually as many positive responses because we're doing more intelligent targeting, great, we've cut costs. Conversely, if you want to look at opportunistically and times aren't so hard, then you say, well, instead of just cutting costs, let's, let's focus it better So we've got a a better target as far as who we're marketing to, but still stay at a large pool. Now our profit's going to increase, right? We're going to get a better bang for our buck, right? We're going to get better returns for the marketing investment. So that would translate not into cost savings, but into improved profit. So those are the the business metrics that you ultimately want to work with when you're making the plan. However, outside of efficiency improvements, totally it creates new capabilities. I mean, uh, for example, a self-driving car, like a self-driving car is not going to work unless it can tell whether hmm. there's a traffic light in the picture, right? Now, I don't mean to say tra- self-driving Cars are coming tomorrow. I, I would push back against the common narrative and say it's going to be thirty years, people, before we have them widespread the, the, the way it's been. Evangelized. Oh,
0: that's a stab in my heart right there. As someone who yeah,
1: hates driving, I really hope you're wrong on that one. I, and I know I'm a huge fan. It's going to save lots of lives, and it's going to be really cool. And I'm going to get to watch a movie while I'm in a car. <laughs> we'll for it, but unfortunately, uh, it's being oversold in terms of the timeline.
0: Yeah. Um, one Obviously one of the biggest questions when it comes to uh, AI and business, and I think it's fair to say machine learning and business is how it impacts human jobs. Um, most of the examples you've given so far have focused on things like better targeting marketing campaign. And that's a scenario where cool. And that scenario, it sounds like no jobs are lost. We just, get more prospects, win for all. But it's easy to imagine scenarios where jobs are impacted. How are you thinking about machine learning's impact on human jobs and how that will evolve over time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. I do think that the idea that it's gonna take over white collar job, uh, jobs and stuff is just intrinsically part of the hype today, um, mm-hmm. misleading hype. When you do go into the physical realm and it's improving a, ro- a robot, right? So now you've got a drone that can fly itself and follow you. And you don't need a, either a helicopter driver or a camera person in the helicopter when you're making a movie, right? Obviously, now we've replaced a couple of people's jobs. Same thing as self driving incrementally gets more prevalent and truck driving and all that. So, yes, to the degree that machine learning is a component of, of physical automation in the sort of physical world, robotics and this kind of thing in a factory floor and shipping centers, right? Those are places. To the degree things can be automated, but I don't see these things as happening overnight, and it's just economic shift like any other. What advice do you have to business leaders who have
0: (laughs) no freaking clue where to start? Now, obviously, the first thing, your first advice is to buy your book, right? So, beyond buying the AI playbook, um, what else? And I'm sure there are many listeners this podcast who fall in that bucket, either business leader or business middle manager, someone who has a role like, huh, yes, it does sound in theory like machine learning would be useful for this realm of what I do, but I don't even
1: freaking know where to begin. What advice do you have? Well, with the kind of use cases I'm focusing on mostly in this conversation, it's like, what's the large scale operation? What's, where are there hundreds of thousands or millions of decisions being made every week, every month, every year that stand to be improved. I mean, business is a numbers game. Mass marketing is mostly junk mail, for example. Email marketing is largely spam. It's not looked at, it's ignored, it's not ineffective. Learning from history to put odds on each individual decision. And that will pan out over time over a large number of decisions, you're gonna start seeing huge windfalls by doing that better. So the question to look at your own organizations, where are those decisions? Are they already being driven with a predictive model? And even if so, where does that potentially stand to improve? But those those are the those are the opportunities, any large scale operation. As we wind down here, last couple of questions,
0: let's imagine a world where most or all businesses have seen the lights and embraced ML. They followed your six-point biz ML plan. It's in operations. It's all happening. Maybe this is five years from now, maybe one year, maybe 10 years. Take your pick on the timeline. But what does that world look like? How will it seem different to the average
1: consumer or the average employee or the average CEO? Well. There's a difference between whether you're inside or outside the company, right? I mean, to a large degree, a lot of these improvements do do improve things for the customer, right? Better product recommendations, less junk mail, less spam, more targeted ads could be better part of the progress of society, and it makes prices cheaper in general, right? So, you know, it's it's just uh, more availability of resources. So um, that's only a good thing. I think inside the company, though, right now, there's a sense that a lot of these projects, kind of have an ad hoc nature to them because it's sort of like, okay, look, we, we looked at machine learning two years ago and we did this, but then the whole business changed and we, that got thrown on the wayside. We have to restart. And so as it becomes more of a well-understood discipline, we'll become much more agile. As that becomes more well-understood and well-known and, and we're more facile in that way, then the organizational changes start to build around the analytics rather than the other way around. Because we start understanding, hey, this whole, the success of this operation, its effectiveness, its efficiency, and therefore of our whole business hinges on the way it uses machine learning. So instead of Like whatever change might come up because of an acquisition, a roll up between companies, a change to the world, the way customer demands, whatever change to business there is, instead of being like, let's change the business and then machine learning will play catch up. It'll be the other way around. As we change the business, it'll always be in concert with exactly the way machine learning will be uh, uh, maximizing those operations.
0: Last question. I asked of all my guests, how are you using AI or perhaps machine learning? in your own personal life, whether for work or for fun? Me? Yeah,
1: you personally. Me personally? Uh, if well, at all, or you're like, no, I fl- hate it. I, I, mean, look, I keep
0: keep stuff away look, from me. <laughs> I look, okay, so for first
1: of all, I mean, first of all, as much as I wanna temper the expectations of generative AI and that it's not becoming autonomous the way it's generally conceived of, it's not becoming human level and capabilities in the broad level it's usually conceived of, I still think it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I love, I love playing with ChatGPT, GPT and, 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 and yeah, like uh, it's overhyped. Quality. It's so buzzy. It's crazy, but it's also kind of the coolest thing ever. Right, right. No, it is. No, it, I mean, I'm totally at odds, right? I was in natural language processing research group at Columbia for six years. And that was the course of my PhD there before mm-hmm. I was a professor. And after those six years, I'm like, it's all edge cases. Right. I never thought I'd see what this can do in in my lifetime. So I'm super excited. And then I turn around and the world is 10 times more excited to me, in my opinion, 10 times too excited. So I'm like both really excited and at the same time exasperated. I'm like, come on, people. It's not, it's not, it's not, we're not making new humans. We're not, I mean, unless, you know, unless in, in the old fashioned way we are. And I have a couple of kids myself, but in terms of technology, we're not making new humans. Feel free to punt and pass, but are you are you using ChatGPT for any productivity use
0: cases or even to like,
1: no find recipes, I mean, that
0: kind of stuff? Or I'm yeah.
1: set in my ways, the way I like to write and such. So, yeah, um same. I haven't really been incorporating it yet. I probably should more. I mean, there might be value that I that I'm missing, but I, I will also answer your question in terms of the sort of predicting of. Uh, uh, enterprise use cases for improving large scale operations that I've been talking about today. And in that realm, the opportunities are primarily for a corporation. That's where you've got the large scale operation that stands to improve and therefore the data that you can learn from. There are exceptions. Somebody uh, scraped all the data off. OkCupid and used to optimize his own dating life. First (laughs) chapter of my, the first chapter of my previous book, predictive analytics is about my colleague, John elder, um, uh, creating a black box trading system that automatically uh, bought and sold um, based on a machine learning model um, that he created himself and then put all of his own money into. So, um, right. So there, is, there are places, but in general, it's more about a corporate endeavor.
0: Eric, thanks so much. Really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, I can't wait to see how this all unfolds. Thanks again. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Eric. I definitely enjoyed his hype-free breakdown of machine learning. I also enjoyed the book. If you want more machine learning content, it's a solid read. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for your patience on the delay of his pod being released. Feel free to send it to friends. Tell your grandparents about machine learning. Rate it five stars. Give it a review. All that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Take care.